0: So, Lord, one more time, I just want to bow before You, my heart before You, and just thank You so much, Lord, for for this season and all that it means, Lord. I mean, in the beginning, You created the heavens and the earth. And in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were created by Him, and nothing was that is seen was made without him Lord you sent your son your one and only son you sent the word Lord and you made him flesh and we beheld his glory the glory of the only begotten of the father Lord full of grace and truth Lord there's just no one like you and I just invite your spirit Lord to to enter this place Lord and I know he's already here but make us even more aware And may that spirit, Lord, I know I pray this all the time for myself and for my congregation, for anybody that I speak to, Lord, that you'll open our eyes so we can really see. How many years did I look upon the manger and just think, well, that's cool, or think it was just a Christmas fixture, Lord. But but to gaze upon it now, Lord, I, I, my eyes are open, and I'm, I'm sure they're not as open as they should be to know just how wonderful and just how magnificent it is that You did send Your only Son, that whoever believes in Him, whoever would not perish but have everlasting life. And I thank You that as a 16-year-old boy that I received him Lord and, and, and you put me on this journey of opening my eyes more and more Lord and Lord I pray that you will open up our ears so we can really hear hear what thus saith the Lord open up our minds Lord so we can understand it just a little bit better to know exactly what we need to do with what we hear but most of all Lord open up our hearts so that we fall crazy in love with you and that you, our love for you, Lord, is just 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 pales in to, to comparison to everything else, because your love for us pales in comparison to everything else. There's just no one like you, and I pray that you'll be with me the remainder of this service, Lord. And may my words be your words. In your name, we pray. Amen. So, guys, last week I started. Um, you know, just kind of a series, you know, called it Home for Christmas. Because, man, we're home for Christmas. I mean, we're, we're home for Christmas. This is amazing. Lifeline Community Church has a home. But after three years with me being with you, and after 12, 13 years, I don't know, man. I mean, it's just, it's just so cool to be home for Christmas. But I titled this, What Will It Take? What will it take for you to really, really come home? Because there's, there's three parts to really knowing God and having his presence upon your life and you can't short circuit these parts and and you know and they're ABCs you know a is an awakening you gotta have an awakening that that God does exist he has these requirements you fall short of them you need him there is no salvation without the Lord Jesus Christ you are awakened to that. And I think countless people can be convinced that I need that and then they say some prayer and then they go on and they try to be Christians and they fail miserably at it because awakening is not enough. That's that's only the A part. You got to go you got to make it to C. And then there's a B. There's brutal honesty. Why have you been separated from God? What is the sin in your Life that has kept you from being close to God. What is the sin in your life that's made you not want to go to church? That not want to read this Bible? To not want to pray to Him? To want to do everything else but pray to Him? Brutal honesty. But that's still not enough. There's one more component. And it's that, that C. It's the change It's when you act on the A and the B. What do I need to do now that I've been awakened and I'm finally honest with myself and not making excuses? What do I need to do? And that person, the Father, reveals His glory to that person. I think so often in Christianity that we do... You know, uh, one of Jameson's favorite little jokes that he does on every present, and we still got a few more to open up my mom and dad, so he'll do this some more, is he'll tear the paper off and say what, Caroline? It's a... It's a box. You know, and like, you know, the first six or seven times, you know, I was like, "It's so funny. And then like 60 or 70, it's like, yeah, okay, buddy, okay. You know, like... It's a box. But I swear, I think we do Christianity like that. Lord, will you come into my heart? Will you forgive me? You know, it's like, oh, he gave me this box. Yes, you know. And we never we never open it up. Nothing ever gets revealed to us. We just think, as long as our little box sits here and I can present it to God at the end of my life, you know, look, I had this box. I accepted you. You know, you got to let me in because, look, I got my box. And he's like... You were supposed to open that box, and you were supposed to learn, and it was supposed to be a relationship. It wasn't some box, you know, that I gave you that you're supposed to present to me at the end of your life. It was, it was a relationship. It's what was in the box that, that, that matters, okay? And so I'm going to just kind of give you one guy's story and, you know, of course, we can relate it to, to our to our own stories, but I love the story of the of the prodigal son, and it's the perfect example of of somebody coming home. You know, not necessarily home for Christmas, but home with the father. I think that's what he wants more than anything is that relationship with us. And so, just to kind of set the stage. I mean, I, you know, just imagine, you know, Jesus, you know, they say, man, Jesus is going to be preaching here, you know, at, at this church, okay, even if it was here. And so all the, the Pharisees and the religious people who don't really believe in him but can't deny he's doing some amazing stuff come in and they fill in on this one side, you know, and they're like just just waiting for him to open his mouth so they can be critical of him, you know. And, you know, they're they they they, they wanted, they're here at church. And so Jesus knows that he's got these religious people who think they please God by doing all this r- rules, by showing up to church and by washing their hands before they eat and all these little rules that they... So here he is. He knows that religious group. They think they're good to go with God. And, like, I got to reach them somehow. And then on the other side, separate from all them, because they don't like any of those people is sinners and tax collectors, because they've heard about Jesus. And he's amazing, and he heals people like us, and he likes people like us. And so they're over here on this side of the room looking over at the religious people and saying, man, I'm glad I'm not like them. And the religious people over here looking and say, well, I'm glad they're not like him, and I can't believe Jesus doesn't just run them off. You know, because look at them, they're sinners and tax collectors. And here Jesus is saying, look, i got these two polar opposite lost group of people these religious people think they know god they're so far from him and then these sinners and tax collectors i mean they, they they they're admiring me for what i can do but they're far from me how do i bring them in to the father so he starts out just by saying this this really cool story about a lamb and immediately, like, man, the religious people are like, ooh, lamb. Yeah, Passover lamb. I mean, they're connecting with this guy. And he talks about one being lost. And the guy, you know, saying, man, if there was just one lost, even though you had 99 others, wouldn't you go out there and do everything you could to bring them back in the fold? And they're thinking, yes, you would. And so he talks about a guy that goes out and gets this lamb and brings it back and talks about how joyous they are when they bring that lamb home. And all these religious people say, oh, yeah, I can imagine the joy if you really lost that lamb and you went out and found it just be wonderful. And then Jesus says, talks about this coin, this this money that was lost. And I'm sure, you know, the the tax collectors and all these, oh, money, yeah, I'm serious. So they talk about this one coin that was lost. It's really, really valuable. Talk about sweeping the house and looking at everything they possibly could to find that coin. And when they find that coin, I mean, all these tax collectors and sinners say, oh, man, yes, if you really had that value, you'd be so glad when you found it. And like, now everybody is like, I mean, he's got everybody. He's got everybody agreeing with what he says. And he's got everybody focusing right here on Jesus and what he's about to say. And then he goes into this story right here. Then he said, a certain man had two sons." They're both lost. The story is called the prodigal son. But both of them were lost. Both of them. You know, one son's over here representing the religious crowd. He's lost. The other son's representing these sinners and tax collectors. And he's lost. So let me tell you, how, how how can I suck them in? How can I bring them in? A certain man had two sons. And the younger son of them said to his father, Father... Give me the portion of the goods that falls to me. Okay? Now, if he's the younger son, he may have more than, you know, two sons. But the, 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 oh, the firstborn is going to get two-thirds of whatever the father divides. The second son will get one third. So if this certain man is worth three million dollars, and this younger son wants what's coming to him, well, the, 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 his brother is actually would get two million dollars, and then this guy would get one million dollars. Okay, and so he's like, "Father," and, and not even waiting for the guy to die, he's like, "You're worth more to me dead than alive. I just want you. I just want what you can give me." Okay. Perfect picture of American Christianity. What can God do for me? If he can do something for me, then I'll solve. It. If he's coming to church, does something for me, then, then I want what he can give me. I want his health. I want his wealth that he can give me. But other than that, I don't need him. You know, just give me the good stuff. Father, give me the portion of the goods that falls to me. So the dad did he divided to them his livelihood. and he said, hey, go ahead, here it is. And now many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Why did he journey to the far country? Why couldn't he just stay at home and do all this prodigal living? Because he knew he, you cannot be close to the Father and live life your way. If you're going to be close to the Father, you live life His way the way He wants you to. And it's such a hard place to be because I remember as a 16-year-old kid thinking that I just gave up my fine. I just gave up all this good stuff to to, to do this drudgery of following the Father. It would be years later before I realized that the Father was great all along. The rules... They weren't for him. He wasn't just picking some arbitrary stuff waiting for me to mess up so he could strike me with lightning and he could make something bad happen to me. Well, after breaking all these rules and it ended up in a place of heartache, and a place I didn't like being, I'm like, he he had my best interest in mind all along. His rules were for me. Not against me. He loved me. And it was actually his kindness that led me to true repentance and wanting to follow him. As the 16 year old, it was the fear that made me actually get saved. And then I'm here trying to follow the rules because I don't want to make him mad. And so he's, Jesus is illustrating, let me show you what the father is like. So this prodigal son takes all his stuff and he goes to a far country to live how he wants because you can't be close to the Father and live how you want. Okay? Next verse. But when he had spent all, he blew all that money. We don't know if it was two weeks, two years, or twenty years. We have no idea and it really doesn't matter how fast he blew through all that wealth. There arose... A severe famine in the land. So here's his first alarm. Here's his first wake up, man. I mean, there's a famine in the land and he's got no money left. It's the first little nudge toward go home to dad. But he says, no, you don't see his awakening happen yet. And he began to be in want. Okay, so now he's like, oh man, I need, I need. Somebody's got to take care of me. So is that his wake-up call? Should he go home to dad? Nope, he don't have the awakening yet. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. You know, the devil is an awful tax uh, taskmaster. So in that country, far away from his dad, he submits to this Guy, a citizen of that country, and he sends him out into his fields to feed swine. It would have been the most insulting job for a Jew to do. These religious people over here were saying, oh my God. Goodness, I can't believe he fell that low. And you know, the sinners are like, what's wrong with feeding pigs? I mean, come on. It's a job, ain't it? And so, and he sent him into his field to feed swine. Any alarm going off? Anything? Should I go home to dad now? No. And he would gladly have filled his stomachs with the pods that the swine had eight, okay? Now, more than likely, these were pea pods, and uh, just the pods, not the actual peas in it. And so, you know, I looked it up, like a cup of peas. Now, with the peas in it and the pods, you know, broken off, you know, like you would cook and eat, like a whole cup of that, like only has like 26 calories or something like that, like very low, like in calories. And so the pods without the Peas would have almost been of no nutritional value. No matter how much he filled up, it would have been not enough calories to even to even matter, to help his health whatsoever. And the Lord was so merciful to him that he did not allow him to eat those pods. Because if he had, it would have given him a sense of satisfaction, but it would have been of absolute no nutritional value. Now the modern version of that, guys, is like we get to to do it, you know, like we know we should go home to the Father. We know we should fill our minds with this Word, and we know. But we have all this entertainment, and we have all these movies, and we have all this stuff that we can just numb our minds with, and we can go days and days. Without thinking it's got no spiritual value. It's got nothing to it. But but the devil, the taskmaster of our country, uses it to just to keep our minds occupied on absolutely everything but him. But in this case right here, he wanted so bad to just dive in and eat those pods that would have been of no nutritional value. But no one gave him anything. And when he's about to eat all of this food that will not help, finally, in the next verse, awakening. Now, it could have happened early. It could have happened when his money ran out. What does it take? What will it take for you to co- to come to him? What would it take? I mean, I feel like the most blessed person On the planet. Because I've always headed toward the bottom. Like way up here. Like I just know that's the road I'm on to destruction. And like while I get the first little glimpse of heading down that road. I'm like Lord I'm sorry. What have I got to do? I'm coming home. You know like I've never had to hit the dead bottom before I awaken. You know I I thank the Lord in his mercy. That as soon as the money runs out, I'm like, all right, Lord, what have I got to do? You know, I, I'm so thankful for that. But this guy, it took it all. He had to hit the rock right bottom. When he came to himself, whew, finally, awakening. Okay, he's not saved at this point, And he is not in fellowship with the Father at this point. He said, how many of my Father's hands, my Father's hired servants, have bread enough to spare? And I perish with hunger. Like, my dad's loaded. He's, he's got provision. He's got food. He's got everything. Why in the world don't I... He's the answer. Jesus, my father, is the answer. And then he says, I will arise and go to my father and say to him, okay, finally. Then he's awakened. But he's going to just, it's going to be brutally honest. Father, I have sinned against heaven. I broke their standards and before you. You know what I'm doing. You know why I left. You know I took your possessions and every good thing that you get. And I squandered them. You know I have sinned. I got nothing else. I'm not a good person. I didn't take some of that money and give to the poor and you should take me back. It's me. I sinned. Brutal honesty. Brutal honesty. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. He's right. And these religious people are over here thinking, you are right. That man does not deserve to be a son. And these people over here are like, what's daddy going to do? What's he going to do? Because they know that they're this person. That they've taken everything good that God has given them and they squandered it squandered it and here are these guys over here saying man I hope that father just nails him to the wall if he tries to go home and they're saying I hope that father forgives him because he's there he's us he's us he's the only hope I have I've sinned against heaven and before you I'm no longer worthy to be called your son make me like one of your hired servants treat me however you want Fire me if I do wrong. And that's the way we come to God. That's the way I did. I'm a hired servant. And as soon as I do wrong, he's going to fire me. We cannot look at God like that anymore. Jesus is trying his hardest right here to teach us how the Father is. So make me like one of your hired servants. He arose. He changed. He had awakening. He was brutally honest with himself. And he did something. He arose. He got up. And he's like, not only do I know what I need to do, I'm going to do it. I am going to cast myself at the Father's mercy. And came to his Father. And this is so beautiful. But when he was still a great way off, he had so far to go to be like somebody that that really loved the dad. I mean, he had so far to go in his Christian walk. He was so far off, but his father saw him, and he had compassion. Religious crowd over here, like compassion? Are you kidding me? Sinners over here saying, "Thank God." Thank God he had compassion on them. And he ran to him and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the religious God saying, that's got to be so nasty. He was just in the pig pen. How bad did he smell? He needs to be hosing him off or something. And then telling him to go on his way because you squandered my stuff. I can't believe you did that. Sinners are saying, oh man, is this how God is? Could he really be? This merciful and this awesome. And the son said, he gets to do his speech, man. Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. And am no longer worthy to be called your son, which he's right. But what was that other part he was going to say? Make me like one of your hired servants. Father cuts him off right there. You are not a hired servant. The father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him. And no matter where you are, if you hit those ABCs, it's the first thing God does. He doesn't say, go take a shower. He doesn't say, go clean up. He doesn't say, you got to quit cussing first. He doesn't say, you got to quit doing this. you got to do this first. got to read through the Bible first. He comes and He clothes you, dirt and all, smell and all, in righteousness. It's his righteousness. You're going to heaven because of his righteousness. Because he sees his son. He sees his robe. He sees his righteousness. Bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand. And that signifies so, so people will know who he is. He's my son. He's mine. And sandals on his feet. Because I want him to be able to go where I want him to go. And I want him to walk. I will, I will put feet shoes on his feet. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it. Lest we forget that every time you repent, something has to die. The wages of sin is death. What did the cow do? And it was the best cow. To which these guys would totally relate. Because if they brought a lamb, it was supposed to be the best lamb. Sin, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. When we repent, we don't have to go kill a cow. We kill, we crucify our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who loves us. Our sin gets put on Him and He gives His life for us. Lest you think, it's just like, oh Lord, will you forgive me? Yes. But look at the cross. Look what it took to be forgiven gaze upon him gaze upon the cross love him and repent turn from your sin and let us eat and be merry let's party okay to which these guys were like amen best story i ever heard and if that's the way god is Then I want to be in on that. For this was my son who was dead and is now alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. These guys, man, that's the God I want to serve. And these guys like, that ain't the God I serve. You better not be doing any miracles on Sunday or Saturday, which was their Sabbath. You better not be eating with dirty hands. You better follow our rules because that's what our God likes. Okay. So, after he makes these guys so happy, he gives these guys a choice. Now, his older son was in the field, okay, working for daddy. I mean, he was greeting the church. Uh, he was doing all kinds of stuff. He was helping clean the church. He was Man, he was working for dad, you know, working for the father. And as he came and drew near to the house... He heard music and dancing. so He was working for the dad, but he had no clue what dad wanted. Dad, for one, for all these years, wanted his son to come home. But he didn't care. He didn't know that was the dad's heart. And he didn't even know that the son was home. He didn't even know that dad was happy that his brother came home. So he called one of the servants. Didn't go ask dad. He had access to dad. But didn't use his access to dad. So one of the servants said, Hey, what what these things mean? What does this mean? And he said to him, Your brother has come. And because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. Let's go celebrate, man. Your father's, your, your, your brother's come home. But he was angry. Angry. Mad that... That father is celebrating this son who came home. He was angry. Why does the world look at Christians as angry? They're just angry people who tell me what I can and can't do and I'm going to hell for this and this and this. Who are we more like? Who's, who's, who do we serve? This God who's ready to forgive and wrap us in righteousness and love us and sacrifice himself for us? Who? Uh, I mean, are we, are we portraying that God? Or is it the God as soon as you do something wrong? It's an angry God who's ready to strike you. This, he's like so many church members today. He was angry and wouldn't go in. I'm not going in there to celebrate with them. I'm going to stay out here and I'm going to be mad. Okay, I who wants to go in there and celebrate and eat them awesome hamburgers and that barbecue? I bet they had some killer sweet tea. Or no, they did wine, but you know, whatever. Therefore, his father came and pleaded with him. This is what Jesus is doing with these guys. Join the celebration. The fact that these guys can come to the Lord and change and sin no more and begin a relation, why aren't you happy about that? His father came pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. And come on, Dad. I've been serving you. I've been working for you. I do all this stuff for you. I never transgressed. Man, who in the world can say that? I never transgressed your commandment. I've always loved you. No, you hadn't. If you loved me, you would know my heart. You'd know what I want. You'd be helping me bring. You'd go out there to that country and say, "Son, Brother, you are breaking Dad's heart. Get your tail back home. He misses you and he loves you. And I'm tired of watching him hurt for you. Come on. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never even gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. Tell you, now as he's questioning his goodness, you don't ever give me anything. And I sit here and I work for you all the time. But as soon as this son of yours comes, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you kill the fatted calf for him. Look at what you do. I can't believe that you're like this, dad. What are you thinking? And he said, son, you're always with me. Imagine being that close to dad, that close to the father, but not appreciating his presence. I think we do it all the time. I think we come to church and you know, man, when is this going to be over? I didn't know he was going to preach this long. like, man, I'm going to be last in line for the Wallace Steakhouse. I mean, like... And we were that close to the Father and His presence. He was, he was right here all along. And all you want to do is grumble against Him because He's so good to these lost people. Son, you're always with me. And all that I have is yours. You remember? You got two million dollars. You got the rest of my stuff, man. Your brother, he's got nothing. He squandered all of it. He's got me and I'm going to provide for him. I'm going to feed him. But he ain't got his million dollars anymore. I already divided. You got two million dollars. Kill ten goats and call a party. Feed the city. Come on. All that I have is yours. But you don't use it. You don't enjoy it. You're too busy wanting me to be this angry guy who punishes everybody who does anything wrong. It was right that we should make merry and be glad. For your brother was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So, guys, if you're under the sound of my voice and if you got something set up for me, go ahead. Guys, I don't know where you are in your walk with him, but this is the last Sunday. Of the year, okay. When we meet again, it'll be the new year. It'll be 2017, and I just want you to think. Maybe today, you know, you've been awakened. You know, you you realize that man, salvation has everything to do with Jesus Christ, and I need Him. But that's not enough. If you know, if you really experience the presence of God this year, okay. I was kind of running through a little drought of it, and for the past probably month, I've been like, Lord, I just want to feel you. I mean, like, I want you to feel my heart. I said, I want to weep. I want to cry. Just, man, I want to feel your presence like absolute crazy. And, man, I filled my mind with this. I've been trying to memorize Scripture. I mean, and, you know, and it was kind of like nothing was happening. I've been sick, and I keep coughing my head off, you know, and it's like just kind of been like, ugh, Whatever. But, you know, I was just riding down the road, just completely by myself, thinking about nothing. And, man, all of a sudden, right next to Scenic Heights Baptist Church, between there and Itron, where my mom works, man, it was like God just. And I was like, oh, God, thank you. And you come to me when I'm not praying to you, when I'm not really even thinking about you. You are the most amazing. I mean, all I could do, I was just so aware of my sin and so aware of how great he was. And all I could do was just let tears run down my face and say, thank you, thank you, thank you. If you've never experienced that, maybe you stopped at awakening. Let's move to the B. Let's move to the brutal honesty. Why aren't you close to God? Why aren't you experiencing Him? His goodness never changes. His goodness, but we change all the time. Be brutally honest and then do something about it. Change. Make 2017 the best year we've ever had spiritually as individuals. Guys, we're here. We're in this building. We've got to become Lifeline Community Church. And it will only happen as if the members who have been here all along are really growing in relationship, really experiencing Him, and we get out here in the community and we serve it, not because we have to, but because we want to. And so guys, just for a moment... If you don't know God, if you never knew Him, just come down here and tell Him you want to know Him. If you do know God, and you had not been as close to Him this year as you want to, be brutally honest and come down here and do something about it, and let's talk to Him. Let's open up our altar for the last Sunday of the year. Let's bow before the King. He's given us all these presents. P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S. Let's come and let's ask for His presence. P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S. You come, and I want my whole family to come up. Jameson, Caroline, Tanya, and my mom and dad. I mean, if y'all mind, come on up. We're gonna pray right here, and man, you guys do what you feel led to do. Ah.